You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow yoga teacher through a mini strategy session. These on-air coaching calls are a great way to get a taste of what it's like to work with me one-on-one, but they're also a fascinating peek into the brain and business of other yoga teachers. The teachers who participate are incredibly generous and brave to allow me to share their experience, their stories on the podcast, and I have so much respect for each of them. If you would like my help with your teaching or your yoga business, I'd love to connect with you. You can find out more about my paid strategy sessions at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. You can also get peer help from other listeners on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, go to teachingyoga.net slash join. And if you're curious about doing an on-air coaching call yourself and sharing your story with my podcast audience... I currently offer those opportunities to patrons of the podcast. To find out more about becoming a patron, go to teachingyoga.net slash patron. That's P-A-T-R-O-N, patron. In fact, I'd love for you to go do that right now. Pause this, and when you come back, we'll jump into today's conversation. Zoraida, welcome. Super happy to have you doing this on-air coaching call. And what I got from your intake form that you want to work on is the big one is like your niche and then some action steps. And you want to talk about accountability and how you can build some accountability into your life. So this is all fantastic. And I would love to have you start with just a really brief description of what you do, how long you've been teaching and what your vision is for where you want to go. So I started as an occupational therapist um, probably about 20 years ago. And then working um, at one, I have worked in rehab and I have worked in pediatrics and that's how I was I went into my first training was for yoga for kids and specifically for kids with disabilities. And for quite a while, um, that was one way that I incorporated yoga into my occupational therapy practice. But after a while, after several years, I was just driven out of occupational therapy because it was a very insurance center um, model. And um, I just was spending more time doing paperwork and reports and, and really treating the patients. And, and I began to do less occupational therapy work and more yoga work. And I, then I got um, my training through uh, my first 200 hours. And then from there, I met people that I really connected with and I ended up doing 300 hours somewhere else um and i really love that connection and that personal growth that came from those trainings and for um trainings where the entire time was dedicated to learning and to growing and to um, processing and i really fell in love with it and got inspired and my students have been, been building more and more into this point, and I was doing less and less work in occupational therapy until at one point it kind of completely shifted because it was less money in yoga, but it was much more fulfillment. And that was sort of like made the shift. And, um, and then from then I'm, I'm going into... Um, you know, I, I remember in one of your podcasts, you were talking about um, kind of like the three phases of teaching mastery. And, you know, and I clearly saw that on me. And so in that kind of experimentation phase, um, I begin to explore the things. So I, start, I 
tried lifestyle medicine. I went to, you know, Harvard Medical School and did some of their conference. And the thing that I kind of found very interesting is every time that I went to this to do something, I would tell my students, I'm doing this thing. And they would say, oh, you're going to come and tell us. And so every time I went to do something, I created a workshop, which people were like just craving, tell us, tell us, tell us. And, and I will do, like when I went to do the lifestyle medicine, I come back and I will do a workshop for my yoga students. But it was not about yoga. It was about the lifestyle medicine. And of course, in lifestyle medicine, yoga is kind of a little part of it. And I kind of use that and promote it a little bit. And some I will go out, I will get students from that. Because not only my yoga students will come in, but they will bring people to these non-yoga events. And people will tell me, oh, I love it, if, you know, um, find it very inspiring. And then every time I will, went, will go to a um, yoga training or whatever training, they will say, oh, tell us, tell us, and I will do a little workshop or a little something, and they will come. And I found that, that it was kind of very successful in that way, because sometimes the workshop that I will did afterwards will help to pay for whatever I was whatever class I was taking, because I was very, I will only take classes that I was very passionate about it. <laughs> and, and so they, they will see my passion and then they will want it to know more. And, and so that has been something that has created variety and value to them. And it has helped me grow. Like, I think I, I believe that my yoga journey as a teacher has been very enriched by all these different workshops um, and branching out of yoga, yoga, just that. Um, not that they weren't great, but just branching out. And so now I am kind of very comfortable in my teaching. I have I, I have um, a set of like 12 lesson plans that I kind of rotate. My yoga teaching doesn't include sun salutations. And and I find that the challenge for me to create that because initially I did it because a lot of people have breath issues. And, and then somebody would say, is there any chance to have a class where there is, we're not just putting so much weight on the wrist or, and I begin to really enjoy that the way I was, my personal practice, the way it was, that I brought that to them and they really like it. And the people who gravitate towards my classes are people that are over 50, mostly women, but I have um, men coming to the classes. And the fact that the class is not gentle, but it's not fast paced. And we can get deep in some, um, in some areas. And I am very, um, my methodology is very therapeutic because that's my background as an occupational therapist, but also because I really want to meet people where they are. And the people that come to my classes, it's not only that are 50 plus, but are the 50 plus that are not athletic, that are not, you know, the runners and the joggers and the hikers and all of that. It's people that pretty much might have, you know, a sitting down job and they want something. And my classes include meditation and include warms up. And I feel that my lesson plans are pretty good. Um, and people love the variety. I keep the same format, but the content is different. And so I have these 12 classes that rotate. So people don't have the exact same class until like two months and a half later. And it's never the exact same class anyway. Awesome. So, I mean, I think that you're really close to having a niche already and you have so much potential in your background and your passion. I can tell you have a lot of passion for people, for helping people and for connecting with people, which is an amazing, wonderful skill set to have as a yoga teacher. And I took some notes uh, that you work with primarily women over 50 who are not particularly athletic and don't necessarily see themselves as yogis in this way that we now stereotype people as yogis, right? Um, when we're yoga teachers, when we have a deeper understanding of yoga, we recognize that we can't tell <laughs> whether someone's a yogi or not from the outside, but there's a lot of people who have 
the idea that they can know what a yogi looks like and it's generally a thin white woman <laughs> who's very flexible. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's not who you work with, but you do work with women mostly and they're a little older and they don't they don't necessarily have another form of exercise right so it sounds like they want some they want to be challenged physically in your classes so that they feel good about themselves so that they feel like they're making some progress that they're that they're doing this you know this thing that we've been told everybody's been told you need to exercise and there's a lot of people who don't like to exercise right that that you know, they don't think of themselves as, as athletic. They don't think of themselves as exercisers, but they have this inner conflict because they have been told they need it for their mm -hmm. health. And so what you do is you say, hey, I see you. I hear you come to my class. I'm going to help you exercise, but it's going to be more fun and it's going to be more enjoyable and it's going to be safer than all these other forms of exercise. So I honestly, I think you have a niche right there. I hear you that there is a little bit of uh, a couple of kind of caveats of things that come with it. And maybe it is like, because people know I'm an occupational therapist and because I, I have a good reading of a room, and even when I'm teaching now through Zoom, um, I use a larger screen to see my students and um, I can redirect them um, without single anybody out. And, and so people know that I kind of know about muscles and anatomy and all stuff. And it's very common after a class that people will come and I said, oh, you know, I have this shoulder issue and that thing that you did was great. Do you have anything else like that? And from all of those things, I have done um, personal sessions that are not necessarily yoga privates, but they are consultation privates. And, um, and that is a part that I really enjoy. And, and my... I think part of finding this niche is how I find more people like the one I already have. And, and the people that are coming to my classes, my classes are mostly right now in Zoom. I only have one very small class in person and it's very, very controlled environment, so to speak. Um, and is that I have tried different things, but it seems that the people that have come to my classes were because they were previous students of mine in the in-person classes. So I really haven't had new people. And I live in a town where yoga classes are extremely cheap because they are done to the town parks and recreation system. And so people pay per class, six or $7 per class. And, um, and I was, I felt that I couldn't put that price for my um, some classes. And so when I did the transfer from in person into um, my my Zoom classes, which I did it right away, then I was kind of like very um, disappointed initially that I didn't have, like from having 30 students per class, there were maybe eight people signing up and then, you know, it will be up and down and then I will end up having one class for three people or one class for two people. And I got very disheartened. And then out of this, disheartened, I have one day kind of like an emotional moment with my yoga students. And then I decided, you know what, this is not sustainable for me. Um, this is what we're going to do starting in like I gave them a day, I'm, I'm going to take a week off to kind of reset my mind. And the way we're going to do this is that if you're really committed to the classes, you're going to sign for the whole season whether you come in or you don't. And, and also because I was kind of feeling 
burned by the administrative part of who comes, who doesn't come, and all of this. And even though I had a QET, there was a lot of issues related to that. And to my surprise, um, I said, I'm not going to be teaching all the classes if I don't get people, you know, people by sign up by this date for the whole package. And I lowered the price per class, but now you have to buy the package. It's, it's all or nothing. And if I will take a drop-ins, but it was much higher than the price that I was charging. And to my surprise, it was, it worked. You know, I end up having one class now that I have with 18 people from what before it was eight. And then all the other classes where I'm having like five one day and six one day and two one day, then I have this consistency of eight people. It helped me clear clarify which classes didn't weren't going to sign up enough people. And then some of the people who couldn't sign up, then I created this library of videos that people could sign up for a subscription. And I kept it very economical because what's that people in town are used to. And, and that was just such a relief. I just wish I had done that sooner. Um, I didn't, I felt that I was putting pressure on people and people at the end told me the opposite, that it was better because they didn't have to sign up every week, that it was a one done deal, one payment done, and it was just like such a relief. And so that was a big lesson for me. Yeah, that's amazing. What a great story. Anyone listening, if you are struggling with your drop-in classes, take this lesson to heart. It may be a gift to your students to ask them to commit more. They actually like it. And I, I tell you, you know, another reason. When I got a lot of feedback, because I'm very close to my students in the sense, I am who I am. I am, you know, I am, I, you know, sometimes my accent gets on the way, sometimes my my circuitry in a work coming out gets on the way and I laugh with them. And I, you know, I, you know, even when I do my library of videos, it's not edited, you know, you know, it's like I drop the beginning at the end and that's it, whatever happens, happens. And that's what they are used to it. So they, they are used to me asking them for feedback or giving feedback. And they love that the fact that because they sign up for the season, now they have like this, date with me, this appointment with me that is not now based on, oh, I'm going to see my sister or I'm going to do this. The life change around the schedule because they are already committed because they already pay for it in front and that they like it. And so I, like I said, I wish I had done it sooner. It has kind of been so much better in so many ways. That's wonderful. So where where is the challenge for you right now? And what do you want to create that you, because you have this system that is working for you now. What's your next step? What I would like to is to have new students. Like I have like a good group of followers. Like, like I said, I don't have, despite many other different things that I have done, I don't get new students and I don't understand why and the students that i have are the students that have been with me and that are very happy with my system some of them when we move into zoom they got free classes from all the many places and pe some people came back and i said yes i tried but it's not the same and and they came after all those free classes they came back to my pay classes because they really value what i offer and so my first challenge or the first thing that I would like help with is how do I get new people to come because these are not athletic people that are inclined to yoga in the first place these are the people that have come to my classes is because they're reluctantly they came and some of them have come to try and say, this is the last time I'm trying yoga because they have gone to yoga classes where it was vinyasa or whatever and their bodies like no have you tried having a deal where you convince your students or you ask your students to bring a friend to class? So I have tried that. Um, a few of them told me that several of the people that they know are happy with their, with their free classes, so many free classes that are in YouTube or Yoga with Adrian or whatever it is. And, 
and I, I always say they can come for free to try the first class. Always I offer that first class for free. Um, I have had a little bit more success sort of reminding them because even though it's obvious, but the students don't realize is that if they have a sister in Florida, uh, that they can, that that person can participate. So I have now a couple of people that once I have kind of reminded them, you know, if you have a, a family member, you can, you know, bring them in. And so people have tried the class and stayed through that connection also because now they practice with their sister or their mother or whatever it is. And so that has been one way, but not only a few people have taken on that. And the other problem that I think that I had is that I was using MailChimp as my way to promote my classes. And I think now that I understand more about the backend of MailChimp, I think a lot of time my emails went to uh, promotions. Um, and I just converted into ConvertKit, just did it like two days ago. And I just beginning to to work on that. And so I, at this moment, I don't know from all the students, um, when I'm talking about that is that I, because it's a town centered and I'm, because different things, I was able to have my previous students' emails. So I have like 300 emails, but I don't know from those 300 who got it and who didn't. And Did I only know the people that respond to me. Even in MailChimp, you should be able to look at who opened it. Huh. But now that you're on okay. ConvertKit, you can just start doing it in ConvertKit. All of the email service providers will give you statistics about what percentage of your list is opening it. I got the percentage, but I don't know the name of who opened it and who didn't. If you click the percentage, it should take you to a list of names or a list of emails. Okay. Yeah. So you can you can do that. You can look. 300 is a good start for sure, especially since you have had some success with people bringing their friends and their family members. I think you could make that even more effective and enticing by putting some time pressure around it. So to do something like a special class, it's gonna be like a celebration special event class where it's free and you have to bring a family member to attend. You can only attend if you bring a family member or something like that, where okay. it's it's like a limited time, it's happening once, either you do it or, you, or the chance is gone basically. Because if this is this weird human nature psychology is like anything we can put off, we will put off. So, if you've had two or three or four people bring their friends, that means that like 10 times that many people have thought in my, their minds, oh, I'd like to do that. I'm going to do that. And then never did it. Mm -hmm. And you're so right about these deadlines because I am, I am in some ways sorry that I learned this about getting so emotional and so angry sometimes about people not responding and stuff like that. But when I did, when I said, okay, this is it. I'm going to transfer everybody to this season class. And I said, you sign up by this date. You confirm that you're making it. And I'm going to count. And if not enough people, and I said, my minimum is this. And if there is not this minimum amount of people, and I have put 10 people minimum for the class, then that class is going to be canceled. So that's it. You got, and people, because there was this deadline, and because people were going to lose the class, then they sign up. They it was just and I was just so surprised how by putting that deadline when I before I will be bugging people through the emails and this and not get no answer. Once I put that deadline and I actually put in the in in, in the email in the heading of the email, some classes will be gone. And that was the head of my email. I got that response and I said you know, and I, and I and I get it, that psychology, but it was just for me, like, really, I have to just kind of threaten you that I'm going to call it. But it worked, and it worked, and the people signed up, and I got 
the payments right away and everything was done ahead of time. And, um, and, and, you know, and some people that weren't sure they did the drop-in class because I told them, you know, it's going to be much higher. But because it was that deadline, they, they did it. Yeah, setting boundaries. It's really powerful. Really powerful. <laughs> and I don't know why we as yoga teachers, we kind of like, we're like, oh, but I don't want to force this, but I don't want to, uh, all of that. And at the end, you know, when I got the feedback where they really like it because it was a one-time deal for them and they don't have to think about it again. Yeah, I think it relates to this this misunderstanding and confusion between being nice and being kind. Being nice is like, you know, twisting yourself into knots to not perturb somebody. Being kind is being real and and acting in somebody else's best interest, even when it's not necessarily going to be the easiest conversation. So that's really cool. I think that's awesome. So that was one idea is just to create some boundaries around this to create more structure around the invitation to bring friends. Another thing that I think you could do is to, have you taught any workshops since moving online? No, yes and no. Um, Because people in it, I live in kind of a small town. People in the town are beginning to know what I do and my background is. So I did for the public library, I did something called uh, mindfulness for everyday living. And, um, but that was something that the library pay me and then their patrons will get it for free. Um, I have a couple of ideas uh, for workshops that I can have begin kind of planting the seed on my students. And um, and one is about um, breath work. Um, and just kind of detail. It's, it's pranayam, but it's also the neurobiology of that and kind of like tapping into the vagus nerve and all of this stuff because that's another thing that my students tell me they like that I tell them um bits you know bits and pieces there not like a whole thing but bits and pieces there about why is this important why is this working in the nervous system and getting out of moving fast and moving more into slow and what it means for the body okay that's great Definitely do that. But also I want you to think about some workshops that might attract some new people because a workshop is similar to that other boundary where you set about, uh, let's do a special bring your friend class. It's a limited time opportunity. If you're interested in this, you say yes, or you say no, you don't get to say yes, but next week, because this is happening one time. And by doing that, let's say wrist issues. Okay, that that was an example that you gave earlier. What if you did a workshop on yoga for healthy wrists? Okay, and then you tell your students, but you also tell your students, hey, bring a friend if if they have ever told you, I want to do yoga, but I can't because of my wrists. Um, Mm -hmm. Knees would be another one. Wrists, knees, like have a physical focus of a barrier that sometimes people use to prevent themselves from doing yoga because for example if they have been to a yoga class before then their wrists or their knees may have made them not have a good experience during that class and so they decided oh yoga is not for me but there are lots of people out there who think to themselves i i want to do yoga i would like to do yoga i think i should do yoga but i guess i can't because of my wrists I guess I can't because of my knees. And so if you create some workshops around this and then you invite your students to help you spread the word about this, because when somebody's passionate about something, they want to spread the word. It's fun to spread yeah. the word, right? Yeah. So your your students that are loyal to you and passionate about what you do, they're going to be, at least some of them are going to be excited to help you find new people. And so once somebody attends a workshop with you online, then they will be perfectly positioned 
for you to invite them to your classes? That, that I think is something that it makes total sense for me because this kind of workshop will be for free, right? And it's a way to say for free, but it's only a one-time deal. No, I would charge for it. You charge for it. Okay. Well, because the reason I was kind of thinking about it is because even when I did my lifestyle medicine workshop uh, after, you know, which was has technically nothing to do with yoga, although I include something in it, I got 40 people to sign up, which I was like surprised. Was it Super free? Surprised. No, it was paid. Yeah. No, I think you should charge for it. The only time I think you should do a free workshop is if you have a big program that you want to sell at the end. Okay. Okay. I got you. I know what you're talking about. I've seen that before. Okay. The other part is I have this baby of mine <laughs> that is called uh, Yoga for Not Flexible People. And it's part in reason it's part because I know that there are so many people who think that I am not flexible enough. And usually this is the husbands of some of my students who are, you know, the husbands are in their 70s, you know, and whatever it is, and they don't, they don't come, they don't come. The wives are saying so much how great the class is like, no, 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 no. And then I have a few people that have come to that class, but I would like to expand that class. And I am sort of beginning to toy to the idea of promoting this class to physical therapists in the area. So completely out of like the yoga world per se, but I don't, but I'm not sure. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm having doubts about the name because I thought that that name was going to attract a lot of people. And I get my, like right now I have five students. And that was a class that I made a compromise that I wouldn't have a minimum just because I didn't have enough momentum for that class. Okay. Have you asked your students what impression they get when they hear that name? No. Because one of the things that happens is that we have these ideas bouncing around in our own heads and we think about them so much that we kind of lose perspective. And we have to recognize that the people we're trying to attract don't care like we do, right? This is our, you just said, this is my baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that many yoga teachers listening can relate to that of, of having this project that just feels so important to you. But, and even though it may become important to your students before it's important, before they try it, it's just part of the noise of the world. And so when people are scrolling social media, their email, whatever it is that they're scrolling, however it is they get information, there has to be something about the title that grabs them. There has to be some, and this is funny because this coming Thursday, my podcast is about how to name your offerings. And I think I'll release this, this one that we're doing right now, the next week. So, but check that one out. But the point is that how is it, how are people seeing it the first moment they see it? Because they're only going to give it like three seconds of attention. And if, in that three seconds, they don't immediately identify it as something interesting or useful for them. They're going to keep scrolling. You know, we all do it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> so, so when something has been banging around in our own head, we no longer have any perspective on what that's going to sound like to our students look like, sound like, feel like in that three seconds. So you have to get some outside perspectives. And I say this in the podcast episode too, but the outside perspectives are different from opinions. So you don't want to be like, hey, what's your opinion on this name? Instead, who do you think this is for? Who do you think this is for? And especially if you could ask somebody who is like a 70 year old man 
husband of one of your students who you thought would be attracted by this, but for some reason didn't sign up. If you can find some, some people like that to say, who do you think this class is for? And if they say, I think it's for me, I just haven't signed up yet. Great, you know that the problem isn't the name. Maybe there's some other problem. Maybe the problem is that you haven't, you don't have enough of those people in your audience to have given that boundary to, right? To have given that deadline to. But what if they say, oh, I think this is for, and they name like some other type of person. I think this is for, you know, 20 year old women athletes. Mm -hmm. You don't know until you ask. So that's my, yeah. that's what I would do for that, for that baby is get some outside perspectives on that name because yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting problem why people aren't signing up for that. Maybe they don't want to think of themselves as not flexible. I don't know. <laughs> and I need, I need that name because you hear so many people saying, oh, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. And I remember when I was trying to promote this class initially to a place, they said, well, why don't you call it yoga for beginners? And I said, because it's not for beginners an athletic person who never has tried yoga can come to the class and the class is not for that person and so I kind of thought to have that name and I got in it pre-COVID I got people that will come and and but I have really hard time getting that people to transition to soon hmm. the wording's a little awkward yoga for non-flexible people because it's kind of long and it requires you to have a negative, non-flexible. So some people may be scanning that and seeing, just seeing flexible and, and not looking at the non. Somebody actually said, not because I was asking, but she was referring to some, commenting about my class to somebody else. And he says, oh, she has a class uh, of yoga for stiff folks. And my husband loves it. You could try it. Yeah. And, and that kind of got me thinking because I, I don't even use the word folks, but I guess people use that. And you know what I mean, especially 60 plus or whatever. So it does have a certain connotation, the word folks, right? Regular people is, is the connotation, I think. Also... All of those people who say I'm not flexible enough to do yoga, have you ever thought that that might just be an excuse? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That might yes. not be the problem at Absolutely. all. I mean, maybe they just don't want to do yoga. But I know that there are plenty of people who are not so flexible who do want to do yoga. Um, I'm not 100% sure that they need a separate class, though. Oh, the reason... Um... Idea with a separate class also is because um, I was having people, and especially men, who couldn't sit on the floor. Mm. They were just not, and I try bolsters and blocks and whatever, and it just is still that kind of like back position. Mm -hmm. And I, what I found is that if they sat on a chair, there was just so much more than uh, they could do. But if I call it chair yoga, they, oh, no, that's not for me. That's for old people. And they don't see themselves as old people. Even though one of the gentlemen who came to the class, he was 75. But he felt he was an active 75. And chair yoga, which is something that seniors in you know, nursing homes do. And um, no, I'm not doing chair yoga. Yeah. But once we did the... We did... We did like is a third of the class is on sitting on the chair. A third of the class is a standing poses that you whether use or not use the chair. And then the last third is on the ground. This is something that you just need to experiment with, but there's no reason that you can't use a chair in any class. There's no reason why you can't normalize that in all your classes where you say, where you have a chair and you sit in a chair and you say, look, if you prefer to sit on the ground for this, go ahead. But because you know that there might be some 
resistance, you go ahead and sit in the chair. You say, I'm going to sit in a chair, you know, and then you show them the rounded spine and you say, if this happens and you sit on the ground, I want you to sit in the chair with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that there's still some experimentation and some market research that can be done where you ask your students questions about that. And I feel like we got a little bit on a tangent with that class because it's your baby. And of course it's so fun, <laughs> but we only have like five minutes left. So, okay. What would you like to focus on for the last five minutes? So the next thing for me, uh, there were two big things. One, it was what to do next. And I got some of the ideas here in terms of the workshops and all of that. Uh, but one big piece for me is accountability. The more I have listening to podcasts and the more I have kind of um, understand how important it is, this business end of yoga and understanding that um, that not only is against the principles of yoga, but that ethically based strategies can really reach more people. I feel passionate that I have so much to offer. The feedback that I get is so great. Why not do something that is a win-win where I am I am using consistently and better and get it educated about those business strategies so then I can reach more people and, and make, like you said, a bigger impact. And so for me is I am strongly considering that coaching in that sense. But if you can tell me a little bit more about it. Oh, you want to hear more about coaching? Great. Okay. So coaching is fun because we get to have conversations like what we had today. And we take your priorities and your goals and we map out how to get there. When I work with people, I keep a online document on Google Docs. And every time we meet, I take notes. And, and so this is part of the accountability piece. So you tell me, this is what I'm gonna have done by the next time we meet. And then you have that list, you can write it down somewhere else too, but you have access to that list anytime. And then the next time we meet, I'm gonna ask you, did you get this done? How did it go? And, and would you be, I mean, I think one of my issues is that I think at some level, I know what I need to do, but I don't know in which order. Mm. I don't know which of, when, you, when I look at the things that I want to do, it gets overwhelming. Mm. And then I don't know exactly what I need to do next. What is the order of those things to do? Yeah. And so figuring that out is something that I think I could use um, strong help with that and added to that that accountability piece of this needs to be done by this date or you know yeah I mean I definitely do help my clients prioritize things I will tell you that they don't always listen to me <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times I will say, okay, this is your number one priority and we'll meet again. And I'll be like, okay, did you get your number one priority done? And they'll be like, no, I got all this other stuff done because, you know, we're human. And so, um, but what, what I do do with people is that when I see that happening again and again, we start to unpack, okay, why are, why are you avoiding this? Right. Cause we've decided together, I made the recommendation and you agreed with me that this is the priority why is it that you're convincing yourself that you don't actually need to do it yet? Because this is how we self-sabotage. And so I will say that what happens next depends on the person. I've had people make huge shifts, like in a matter of a couple of weeks. And I've had, I also have clients that I'm still working on the same issues after a year or so. Now they have made progress, but it's like slow incremental progress. So that's why it's so fun for me to do the coaching because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm problem solving all day. I'm just like, here's this person in front of me. How can I help them? 
you know, what do they need from me right now? How can I be of service to them? So, yeah, so I definitely, my brain is love strategy and loves kind of figuring out how to make things work like we did today. Like, oh, okay. What is Zoraida's gifts? What are her gifts? How can we really take those gifts and put them in the place where they're going to make the biggest impact? How can we use who she already is, what she loves, but then also add in some of the stuff she doesn't love, but needs <laughs> to create that, that recipe of a business that works, that functions. And that's, that's what I do. Okay. And if, if based on what we talked today, if I would have asked you, what is the next thing, the very first next thing that I need to do, what would be your answer? I think that you are right that you could use a bit of a bigger audience, but I would also like to see you leverage yourself and your expertise a little bit more. And I would see you eventually doing some online courses that help people that help the people that you want to help, like the people with wrist issues and the people with knee issues that have this potential to be more in a deeper relationship with their bodies and live their lives more fully because of that, you can help them. You are helping people like that. But through an online course, what you can do is you can take people from a point A to a point B. It's like the, the commitment that they make, except with an online course, it's even more curriculum based and you can have like some different elements involved right so instead of just being like okay drop into the class and we don't know who's going to be there who's not you've created this curriculum to take people on a journey and you have a sense of where they're going to be at the beginning where they're going to be at the end and then once you've pre-recorded an online course then that work can serve so many people right? You've invested in creating this asset, this resource for yourself. So that's probably what I see for you in the long run. And you said you have 300 emails. I like to see about a thousand emails before creating an online course. So mm -hmm. with the workshops, what I would see you doing is to develop a few workshops that are like your signature workshops and first you offer them to your community and really refine them and then I'd like you to see you offering those workshops to other communities and your idea about PTs is perfect where you say hey I would like to offer a workshop to your clients in that case it could be free when it's to somebody else's audience and they have to give their email address to attend and you get their email address, right? That could be free. And if you find a good number of people, good number of different communities to offer these workshops to, you can build an email list of a thousand emails pretty fast. Mm -hmm. I have a friend of mine who, um, I'm sure anybody, hopefully everybody listening has heard about uh, my partnership with Libby Hinesley, the Anatomy Bites membership. She had zero emails when we started working on this. It was about five months ago. And I helped her create some lead magnets and she just started putting it out there. She started guesting on podcasts. And then when we started doing the training, the online free cues training that let that leads into this membership. Now she has 1200 emails that's in five months. So I mean, that's pretty fast, but it's a sign of what's possible. Mm -hmm. So that's, gosh, maybe that's a little bit more than what you were asking for. No, no, no. I like to have a vision. Yeah. And also because part of what you mentioned is something that I wanted to be able to do workshops. I didn't think necessarily in an online course, but workshops for 
people that have knee issues and yeah. people that have so then it's very targeted to that population yeah and it's very into them and kind of embodying that embodiment of who they are not a limitation that they have yeah okay so if you want to talk more about working together we can set up another call for that so just email okay. me and we can talk about that some other time meanwhile is there any other final question anything that's not clear for you before we wrap up no i i think um it gave me you know i'm, I'm very appreciative of how you can find like kind of different perspectives and and kind of bringing them together and I, I I have a clearer view of the road ahead and uh, that sense of that it's possible and it's doable having the right direction. Yeah. It's so fun when you figure out that it works, right? That it works to be able to be fairly compensated and to help people at the same time. It's, it's, it's so uplifting to recognize that that is possible. So thank you for coming on and, and sharing your questions and your vision on this episode. I'm excited to see where things go from here for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for not just your advice, but your clarity and your passion for what you do and all um, the amazing inspiration that you give to so many people and in helping so many of us to gain clarity and reigniting our passion. It doesn't have to be that constant struggle. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Zoraida. Thank you again to the generous and courageous yoga teachers who participate in these coaching calls. I've had so many listeners reach out to let me know how helpful they are, and that would not be possible without the passion and vulnerability that you embody. And I also want to give a huge thank you to the patrons of the podcast who contribute to the expenses on a monthly basis. If you're curious about deepening your connection to this community and becoming a patron, I hope you'll go to teachingyoga.net slash patron to find out about all of the perks and benefits of becoming a patron. I'm so very, very grateful to have you as a listener, and I would be incredibly delighted and honored to also have you as a patron. Keeping these podcast episodes free from outside ads is really important to me, and the patrons of the podcast are what make that possible. Once again, the link to get all the details and to sign up is teachingyoga.net slash patron. And whether or not contributing to the podcast is something you're interested or is a possibility for you in this moment, I hope that you'll remember to center your own self-care and your personal practice this week. And I'll see you next week for another episode of the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast.